Right. Right. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Douglas County Planning Commission mid-month meeting. It's a meeting that um, is for commissioners and staff to have an open conversation. Um, the public is welcome to listen in, but we don't take any public comment. There are two main items on the agenda today. One is uh, update on the capital improvement plan from Becky Pepper, planning manager. And another is an update on wind regs from Chair Rex Road. With that being said, I'm going to turn it over to Becky Pepper for an update on the capital improvement plan. Thank you. Before that, though, I'm going to have uh, Drew, if you wouldn't mind reading the rules. Sorry. Good morning. My name is Drew Bilby, planner, and I will be helping to facilitate the Zoom video portion of the meeting. We will work alongside the chair to facilitate the meeting proceedings. I have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send a chat to me. The city reserves the right to mute or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to Becky. Yes, thank you. All right, so thank you everybody. I just wanted to start, we wanted to um, provide just kind of a brief um, intro to the capital improvements plan that's gonna be um, on your agenda in August this uh, August PC meeting in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm gonna share my screen. Uh, so on our, this mid-month agenda, um, there's a link um, to the um, main capital improvements page. And that, um, All right, thank you. So that page is going to uh, take you to the main capital improvements page um, where I wanna just uh, guide you to a couple of links where you can find the capital improvements documents that if you wanted to start reviewing those prior to the planning commission meeting, give you more time before um, even the, the agenda is posted with those materials. So there are two um, ad, uh, links to, to previous agendas that have uh, two city commission agendas. Um, this first link is gonna take you to the June 20th meeting. Um, there, it's my understanding that there have been some changes, there were some changes to the CIP that, that you'll see later with this, the second more recent link for July. But the reason I wanted to point out this June link is because there are, um, that's where you're gonna find some of the project detail sheets. So in the July link that I'll show you here in a minute, that's where you're gonna see the list of CIP projects. But if you want more information about what those projects are, you'll find it here in the June link with the project uh, detail sheets. And so that information you're gonna find here um, uh, in the link here. So this is the list, and if you keep scrolling, you'll find that project uh, specific projects sheets. 
So again, that's the June, the first link June, the later meeting uh, when it went back in July. That is going to provide you with um, the uh, city manager's uh, presentation um, as well as a, uh, a, a link to the updated comprehensive plan list of projects. Um, as you're reviewing that, I just wanted you to, you to keep in mind, so the comprehensive plan, amend, or sorry, the, the um, capital improvements plan is, um, uh, the tool that the city uses to budget for um, our um, uh, improvement projects. And uh, it's uh, governed by a state statute. And part of that state statute says that the, the planning commission is required to review the capital improvements plan um, through the lens of conformance with the comprehensive plan. So looking through that, that project list um, to ensure that it's meeting the goals and policies of plan 2040. Um, Keep in mind that staff has also been engaged through this process as this uh, projects have um, moved through and been been um, reviewed and presented at the various city commission meetings, and so we've also been looking at it through those that that lens um, uh, to um, uh, ensure to to uh, vet whether they, it conforms with the comprehensive plan. Um, staff's done that review, and and we. Um, uh, uh, we have uh, determined that it does. Um, so our recommendation um, that we'll be passing forward would be that, it, it, that those the, the projects on the list do conform with the comprehensive plan amendment. But so uh, uh, probably took more time than I needed, but I just wanted to, to point out where those reference materials are so that if you wanted to start looking at those in more detail, um, where you can find those. And then if you have any questions as you look through those projects and, and uh, it, about anything, feel free to, to reach out to me or, or staff and we'd be help, happy to help answer those questions for you. What's the time? <coughs> uh, July 11th. So Becky, to be clear, our role um, on the Planning Commission is to um, test for uh, compliance with the comprehensive plan. Um, we're not um, digging into each line item to determine each item's merit on its own or whether we want that thing or whether we think that thing is right. It's only, it's binary. Is it consistent with a comprehensive plan? Yes, or it's not, no. That's correct, yep. <clears throat> okay, thank you. Okay, well, that's it. So I didn't want to say I want to leave the bulk of this meeting up for um, our the Windrags discussion. So if you don't have any other questions about that, I will we'll move on to that second item then. So just 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 to cap that off, um, last year um, when the uh, CIP came through, um, we all got this giant thing the day, or the, you know, as a part of the packet, right, for that particular meeting. And uh, there was quite a bit of feedback, uh, myself among that, that said, man, we, if we're going to really do our job here, we have to have time to look at this. We have to have time to, to understand it. So that's why we brought it here specifically to give people an opportunity. We've intentionally decided not to drain it in this room, but to give everyone the opportunity to do the homework and Makes sense. And be able to show up at that meeting informed with any questions that we might have about compliance with the plan. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Turn it over to you, Chair Rex Road. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> we are going to do an update on the work the ad hoc group has been doing on comprehensive plan. Give me just one second here so <laughs> I can navigate to the share screen. 
No jokes about my technology background, please. <laughs> All right, I think we're there. Right on. All right. Let me put this up out of the way as well. All right, update on commercial wind energy regulations. Um, I've got a set of slides here that uh, the team has uh, been reviewing and tuning and feel like uh, does a decent job of, of sharing. And I'll ask the team, Charlie and Mike and, and Prashant, to uh, please jump in at any time, at any time, and uh, add color to what we're talking about. Back in March, uh, Planning Commission voted uh, to form an ad hoc group to get at these um, regulations. Um, uh, this is a body of work known as Draft 1 that Sandy and Cece had spent the better part of a year um, uh, working on from the 2016 regs, bringing them up to current. Um, as we went through those regs, it became apparent after a couple of tries in a larger session that getting at a smaller group of people to, to get at some of these, these issues, meteor issues, and come back with recommendations might be a way to help facilitate. So we did that. Um, myself, Charlie, Mike, and Prashant um, all raised their hands and said, um, we'll participate in this work. And we went about this with this charter, to, to write regulations that reflect the character, values, and goals of Douglas County while not being intentionally or casually prohibitive to the industry. That's kind of the way we went at this as we thought about it. That the character, values, and goals and we used a couple of different methods to gather information. Um, uh, you can see on the left-hand side of the screen, um, uh, almost complete. I think I probably missed a couple meetings that we'd had, site visits to wind farms, um, meetings with uh, different uh, agencies, different groups that have some sort of a controlling interest or controlling authority. Um, and on the right-hand side of the screen, you'll see a sample page out of um, the, the body of the regulations that we did our work from. When draft one was published, the public process began, and CC and Sandy sought input from um, from all across Douglas County, um, from citizens, from participating, from non-participating, from um, industry, um, any concerned citizen, um, had an opportunity to deliver comments. Uh, most of those came in the form of email, and our staff took the time to take those comments and nest them inside of code so we could see that feedback in line relevant to the item that we were talking about. So just as an example on this page, and this isn't, this isn't unusual, there are three small paragraphs of code surrounded by public feedback that we took into consideration as we discussed. Um, dozens of meetings, hundreds and hundreds of mails, many, many lines of comments placed in this. We walked through um, this feedback through the code line by line um, making recommendations for things as small as punctuation because that sometimes can make a difference in the meaning. Um, and in many cases, in some cases, um, substantive, sub substantial and material 
adjustments to what the meaning of the code was. Um, we identified key stakeholders. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, we logged hundreds of comments from different perspectives and got to what I've described as um, defensible recommendations throughout this entire body of code. Um, I want to make a note that there's a tremendous amount of information out there on this subject. Um, more than a human can consume. There's a tremendous amount of information out there. Not all of it's accurate. Some of it's willfully inaccurate. And working to understand the issues, get to science, get to peer-reviewed information, uh, was part of what we did to make sure that the recommendations we make are, in fact, defensible. Um, another thing that I think was important to mention, we, there's a, as we read different bodies of code, we read 15 different counties' sets of regulations. There's different ways you can see patterns of, of different things that are out there, and, and there's, there's one thing that some would do would be to try to be prescriptive in how regulation was met. Like, you will, I don't know, how do I want to do this without too far you without telling someone how they would do something how they would manage noise how they would manage flicker we would say instead this is what the rule is and it leave it to industry then to make a decision on how that metric would be met we thought that that was an important differentiation we didn't want to leave any room or any 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 space in there for anything other than just a clear understanding of what that metric was meant to be quick comment and and that is because we didn't feel it was our job in the regulations to micromanage a potential industry so yeah well said well said thanks mike we identified a group of stakeholders um several i've categorized these into three different groups um the blue is our our people who might live in an incorporated area that likely won't have um, a, a turbine located in close proximity that um, maybe are for or against renewable energy, maybe for or against wind specifically. In that category of individual, the voice is important, but really more about policy. And one of the things that we worked to parse through in almost every conversation we had was, where is that line on policy? We're talking about land use, and policy is a Board of County Commissioners decision. So we wanted to stay focused on the land use questions. There's a set of stakeholders in the county, staff, um, those who um, 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 implement regulations, those who live with those regulations once projects are started, and there's developers. That's a separate category. We didn't write necessarily for either one of those, but we wrote informed by them. The bottom set of stakeholders, um, though, were a constant part of our day-to-day -day conversations. When I say day-to-day, -day, <laughs> it was practically that. There's just in, in shorthand, you're either a participating landowner in this category, meaning you've engaged with a developer and or intend to engage with a developer and have a lease in hand or intend to sign a lease, 
or you're a non-participating landowner. Now, much of this context is imagining a project coming into being. We know that there's a large amount of space in Douglas County where people have, are, that are not participating simply because they haven't had an opportunity to or haven't been asked to uh, participate in a wind project. I'm not saying that those voices don't count in this, but the energy, the comments, the feedback have been just naturally coming from an area where a potential project exists. We're not writing for that project. We're not writing because of the project. We're writing for all of Douglas County, but just want to be clear that that, that differentiation shows up. So when we write these regs, we've thought about how do we write with those two groups in mind. Um, and one of the ideas that we've had that's carried through, and I hope you'll see it, is that um, we provided, I'll use the word protection, more deference to non-participating property owners, those who have said, for whatever their reason, I'm not going to participate in that. Either they've chosen not to, or they just, they weren't a part of the set that the developer was asking for. And then provide less restriction for participating property owners to try to find some balance in what I'll describe as the regulatory footprint that might be out there. Not wanting to casually prohibit, but also provide regulations that provide protections for the people in the county that uh, have concerns. Stop there, any comments? I described that okay? One of the things on the, the charge was we were to write rigorous regulations that didn't intentionally or casually. And I think that we have worked to do that. I'm, I'm not sure that any group will agree that we achieved that end, but that that was part of our charge is to do that. Thank you, Charlie. So. And, and, and based on what Charlie just said, we knew, we know that going into this, there's probably no way that 100% of these regulations make 100% of the population real happy. There's going to be things about it that some people don't like, things about it that other people don't like. So we, that, all of that is being taken account for. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. <clears throat> so there's, are we at 29 pages-ish? <clears throat> Excuse me. The final body without all the edits, I think it was 28. We're probably at 29-ish pages right now by the time we've added stuff and taken stuff away. Um, Inside that, there are a handful of, of very um, uh, active topics, topics that, that rise to the top of um, the list of things that people particularly have a concern about, um, want to make sure are written well, want to make sure are written with, with good information that's informed by them as well. So what we're doing here is previewing that set um, just want to remind everybody, we're not voting on this today. Uh, discussion is fine across the group. Um, but 
but, but when we get ready to adopt or adjust these regulations, that'll be done in a public meeting with full public comment, right? So we wanna make sure this is just study session today. <clears throat> so I'll start at the top and then we're gonna pause and spend a little bit more time at the bottom. Um, we talked about tower height and clearance. Um, we had quite a bit of feedback that um, we should discuss this in terms of English measurements rather than metric, make it so that people could just look at it and understand what that meant. We thought that made perfect sense. Um, the original regulations in draft one, by the way, I should explain this. Let me apologize. Let me just pause for just a second. On the left-hand side of the screen is the attribute that we're talking about, tower height and clearance sound flicker setbacks. Um, what I call old code is the 2016 version of code. That is the code that's on the books today. That if a project came through today, that's what would govern its use. Draft one is the body of work that CC and Sandy spent a year working through and updating. Tremendous, by the way, just a tremendous lift alone in that. It gave us a foundation that we could really work from. Draft two is what we're calling the body of work that's gone on in the last four or five months, <clears throat> six, seven months with uh, um, the ad hoc group. And then last on the far right is some rationale, very light on why we thought that draft two language might make sense, how we thought it was defensible. There's quite a bit more in every case on rationale and there's even arguments on either side of that question on rationale. So just hold this for you. <clears throat> so on tower height and clearance, the draft one body of work set 80 to 110 meters with a 50 foot clearance. We converted that from 110 meters at the hub height to a max height that would exist with a 110 meter tower, but to the tip of the rotor blade. So the, the full height that this might be so that people can see not just 110, which is what, 400 and something feet, but actually it could be as high as 600 feet at the very tip of a rotor blade. Right, so it's clear for everyone what that was. 50 foot clearance on the bottom allows for um, a larger rotor on a tower, on a taller tower. We had a number of discussions, not in 100% agreement. We had a number of discussions about allowing for a larger tower, which implies a higher megawatt capacity. It's, only, it's not only the direction that the industry is going, but it allows for a higher megawatt capacity, which might allow for a smaller footprint in the farm. It also might allow for just a lot more bigger towers, but that was part of the idea. On sound, by the way, before I go on, any, any comments on tower height? Do you want to go through all these and then comment? Or Let's do that. I, okay. I, 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 I caught myself. <laughs> Thank you for that. On sound. Um, the 2016 code did not set a limit. The draft one code set a limit at 50 dBA. dB stands for decibel. A is 
a, a sound measuring set that's audible to the human ear. So if you see DBA, the A stands for human audible. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and in the draft two code, we went just a little bit farther with that. We said DBA, 50 DBA waited at the property line. 45 DBA waited at an occupied structure. No pure tone and no limits for participating landowners. Again, protections on non-participating. Non I guess I didn't say that there. My apologies. That should say 50 DBA weighted property line non-participating NP. 45 DBA weighted occupied structure NP. No pure tone NP. And then no limits for participating. All right. So pure tone. Um, a super simple explanation of that is that uh, much sound comes in the form of, of a broad spectrum. When you hear a hum, for example, it's, it's a range of frequencies. Frequency being you know, the pitch of the sound, attenuation, uh, um, uh, amplitude meaning how, how loud that sound is. Pure tone is a very narrow frequency set that can be piercing. It'll, it'll, it will travel farther, it has a different impact on you and there's not a chronic issue with pure tone that we've come to understand with, with uh, um, wind turbines but there has been enough mention of it and it's differentiated from regular sound that we decided that we're just going to say no to that at participating. It's one thing that we could do. So 45 dBA um, on rationale, 45 dBA. Sorry, non-participating. You said participating. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, 45 dBA is considered near or below ambient for most settings. You're going to find a, 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 you're going to find various different opinions and, and realities to that. There are some settings at night, rural, without bugs, with no wind, where ambient's going to be 30, 35 dBA. Um, but, but 45 is a typical like breeze blowing through the trees and the leaves moving. Yes. That will be in the 45 to 50 range. Yes. Um, and we, we set that at the occupied structure. We set 50 at a property line. And some of the justification, the science behind that, we met with um, uh, Black and Veatch engineers that uh, we hired for the purpose of getting at an understanding of of the science behind things, and it was their opinion that if a that at a fifteen hundred foot setback, which is a little bit farther down, at a fifteen hundred foot setback, it was possible to manage to fifty dB or less um, from a wind tower. So that was part of the science back behind that particular recommendation. Believing that, knowing that, just you know, just the common sense of it that an occupied structure is going to be somewhat more distant from that property line, maybe a little bit, maybe a lot. We felt that the 45 was an achievable number. And again, we're not saying to industry how they get at that. If they get at that by siting it in a different spot, great. If they get at that through how they operate, great. Whatever their method is, is their method as long as that is achieved. I also want to say that um, it's acknowledged that at different conditions, sounds can travel a great distance. And we have uh, 
uh, both received a mail and I've, I've talked to the person about a, uh, a relative sneezing um, um, across the way from, from their home and being able to hear them and texting, bless you, um, to them. You, with, with humidity and the right kind of wind conditions, sound can travel a long ways. Trying to find the right scenario so that we're not being uh, prohibitive but also protecting uh, people is what our goal was there. On Flickr, um, the 2016 code said, best effort to reduce. By the way, you'll find that uh, reflected, no pun intended, in uh, many of the county regs that are out there. Um, best effort. Um, emerging is a new set of values that says a maximum of 30 hours per year to any dwelling. Sometimes it'll say 30 hours per year or 30 minutes per day as a maximum that it can be at any occupied structure. What we've said is 15 hours per year max and 15 minutes per day max at a non-participating occupied structure and no limit at a participating structure. The 30 and 30 is uh, most commonly found in, in regulations. Um, we know that through siting, technology, and operating practice, Flickr can be prevented. We know that there's software out there that can be used to triangulate between a fixed point, the tower, and where the sun might be at any given time on any given day, 365 days a year, and they can make that not happen at a place. Um, we talked about that with um, developers. We've discussed that with Black and Feech. Um, we've tested that in other environments. And, and yeah, it is true. You can do that. It does come with a cost in some, in terms of, in some cases that just causes the shutdown of a turbine. It might rise to the level of um, being preventative. But there's another point to it that caused me anyway, and I think uh, others to, to back up just a little bit and say um, some might be acceptable. To try to get at zero, um, when you consider the swath that it might take, ignores a couple things. Um, one, it ignores um, attenuation, that the dissipation of a shadow, attenuation is also used in sound, right? The farther away you get from it, you don't hear it as much because uh, the waves amplify light is a similar has a similar characteristic where a shadow when you're close to it is very profound very sharp edges there's no way you don't see it when you get as you get farther away from it other light other ambient light around filters that and at some point along the way it either gets to a point where it's just no longer um, uh, noticeable might still be there but not noticeable or it's just gone altogether we don't have a number for what that is, the conditions, the cloudy sky. I mean, there's any number of things that might happen. So we wanted to provide for a scenario where some flicker was acceptable so that industry wasn't held to an impossible task of preventing any kind of shadow that might be there might be mistaken. That's a part of the rationale that went into having some component of it. Now on setbacks, um, the 2016 code called for 1,500 foot from a residential structure 
and 110% from a property line. So whether you're <coughs> participating or non-participating, um, it could be, let's see, if it's a 600-foot tower, it could be 660 feet away from a non-participating property line on the 2016 code. Sandy and Cece did a whole bunch of work there and brought um, a more current standard. By the way, you'll find, again, if you look across, I think I've got a table with 15 or 20 different county codes, you'll find a number of them at 1,500, you'll find a couple of them smaller, you'll find a handful of them longer. 1,500 foot has some basis in, in support, we'll talk about that, but 1,500 foot from an occupied structure and 1,500 foot to a property line with 110% from roads. So the idea was if it fell down next to a road, it wouldn't fall down on the road. We're gonna come back to that one. Um, if it was uh, 1,500 foot from an occupied structure, provided, uh, provided um, uh, setback from that structure, but it also provided setback from uh, a property line. What we've said is, on a non-participating pro uh, property, it's 1,500 foot from that property line. This is, I, sorry, let me, I want to be careful. In draft two, which is a carry forward from draft one, because we've got some other conversation to have about it. Draft one carried forward into draft two, 1,500 foot from a non-participating property line, and 1,500 foot from a, a participating landowner's occupied structure. So it could be on their property, 1,500, as long as it's 1,500 foot away from um, their structure, they're good to go. I've got an asterisk on setback from roads. Um, we need to have uh, one more bit of uh, conversation, one more uh, uh, go at this across the ad hoc to have a discussion. What we've learned is from roads, there's a bit of a, of a there's, there's a couple different perspectives. Imagine that. Um, one is the, the potential for ice throws. Um, there's a lot of technology that's built into turbines that are designed to prevent ice throws. They sense weight, they shut down so that they don't chuck giant pieces of ice off. There, there's, 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 there's technology there that's meant to minimize the risk. Yet, we heard just the other day about a truck driving down the road that um, was hit by a piece of ice that was uh, thrown from a turbine blade, um, cut through the side of the box on the back of the truck. Um, it's rare, it's rare, but it just happened. <laughs> so, um, we want to make sure that we're giving consideration to what's required for safety along roads that's balanced against requests from um, uh, county safety and even um, Audubon Society, environmental groups, who are saying, I don't want it farther away from the road if I need to get to it to, to perform some emergency service, I want it closer. And um, an environmentalist would say, I don't want any more road running through what was a, a, a Ag One farm field than I possibly have to have. So we need to have a discussion amongst us. This has just emerged in the last couple of days, so we need to have a discussion amongst us, and we'll come back to you with a recommendation um, when we get to that uh, public meeting.
Just a couple thoughts on um, the rationale. 1,500 foot from a property line um, is, as I'd mentioned before, known to support sound and flicker attenuation. Um, the other thing is um, it's consistent with Douglas County regulations and other things. That's true, but I think it's also true that there's nothing like this contemplated in any of Douglas County's regulations. I mean, this is, this, this is unique. It stands on its own. Um, property lines and setbacks um, provide uh, protections to non-participating landowners' future use. Let me just click into that for just a second. Um, we've listened to industry um, and in some of the notes that uh, were put into our code as we were reviewing this, um, it was clear that industry um, designs for and, and, and wants to have 1,500 foot from an occupied structure. Um, that, it, that making it from a property line, um, from their perspective, becomes prohibitive. Um, our take on that was that if we don't allow, if, if, we, if we allow something closer than that 1,500 foot from a property line, when the regulation says it's 1,500 foot from an occupied structure, we've created an environment that limits a non-participating property owner's future use, right? So in other words, if we allow that at 660 feet or 500 feet or 450 feet, depending on how tall the tower is, it limits what that landowner can do or would want to do with that property in the future. So we wanted to, we wanted to set that setback, regardless how long and how far it is, we wanted to set that setback at that property line for non-participating. Um, I think that was set on that. So I'll, op I'll open it up here in just a second. Um, uh, we were, of the four of us, we weren't 100% locked in on the 1500 foot and there is, um, we're going to be asking us to give consideration to increasing that length from 1,500 foot. A recommendation was made at 2,500 foot. We're going to want to have that discussion. We're going to have, want to have, and we're likely have that as a vote <coughs> that we'll have unless we can get to something in between now and that day. We'll likely have that as a vote um, that the Planning Commission takes up. Um, there were two additional items that weren't a part of any of the draft one code that we'll also want to bring to the commission for some consideration. One is to consider a setback from cemeteries, places of worship, given the, the, the solemnness of those environments and giving, paying respect to that. And then the second one is 2,500 foot from county lines. Right? So if we're, if we're going to have a longer setback from an individual non-participating property line, should that be mirrored or repeated when we get next to a neighbor on a, on a county line? There's some complexity there because these projects don't necessarily care about county lines. They might sweep across the county. So we might want to think about whether that's participating or not participating as opposed to just one value. But we'll cross that bridge. So, so ad hoc team, anything you want to add in color beyond what I've done? And Sandy, CC, anything you guys want to add to what I've been talking about? I think the, the 
the one thing I would like to add for the commission is that um, county staff has been integral in the discussions in the original drafting and in the continued discussion. So this isn't coming top down from city staff. It really is a collaboration of um, city and county staff because ultimately county staff is the one that's going to be on the enforcement end of the regulations eventually. So I just wanted to bring that point up. I, I glossed over that just a little bit when I was going through my slide. Thank you for that. Um, and I just, I, I'll say it probably multiple times before we're all done with this, but um, I cannot say enough about what Sandy and Cece have done, not only to get from 2016 to draft one, but have been there with us through every single one of these conversations. Um, we get into a room and Cece's live typing in the code while we're all having discussion and Carl's typically there, Becky's typically there. We've got people from, from all different parts of um, planning both city and county that are involved to help making, to hap making this to happen. So thank you guys so, so, so much. I will echo what uh, Gary just said the the work that everybody has put into this has been it, it's hard to come up with the right uh, adjectives to describe it but <laughs> astronomical the amount of work that, that's put in and that and that's not to uh, say that the four of us from the commission have have done all that work because we're we haven't yes we've met a lot but yes it, it means a lot to all of us and we want to get it right and then the other thing i think that even though uh See, like this slide alone, that we have what's in draft two. That's what's in draft two as of this point in time right now. It could change by the time we bring it to uh, the commission for a, for a discussion or vote in, in a, a normal monthly meeting. And, and as Gary said, even between, there's certain things like setbacks that the four of us can agree on. And, and to, to get the uh, all nine or ten of us to agree on in a commission it's it's going to be just as big a challenge as it is and we absolutely know from the and and, and gary's description of the hundreds of emails that we get which literally it's dozens daily uh, uh we wouldn't get those if the people in the county didn't care we know they care we've met with them we will continue to meet with them we're going to meet with them hopefully all again several times in each township as once draft two is approved presented and approved it's still just a draft we're going to we're going to get the comment again and uh some of it go through it again but again we wouldn't be doing it if, if we didn't care thanks mike um just that kind of takes me to that last slide. Um, I'm not trying to shortcut us on any discussion on, on those other eyes. We can pop around any place you want to go. But uh, just quickly up next, um, uh, we have regularly at scheduled ad hoc meetings. Um, uh, we have uh, industry coming to talk to us, and that's tomorrow. Um, uh, this is the final planned input session on draft two. Um, we're going to be working to completely clean up all the work in draft two, get it ready to publish. We, we intend to hope will happen at uh, sometime yet in August. Um, and then we go into uh, reviews. Um, there is a, a, a large 
number of people inside the county and associated with the county that um, are going to take swings at this. Um, legal is going to look, zoning and codes is going to look again. Uh, public works will look again. Emergency management will look again um, to make sure that um, things are, are manageable from their perspective. And we've committed to community reviews um, to make sure that the logic behind these things is understood, not necessarily agreed to, but understood. Um, do what we can to make sure that we've socialized this, that, that um, everyone has had an opportunity to, to talk with us about it. Um, I'll pause on that for just a moment. Um, this has been going on for coming up on two years now, and we'll still find people who say they've just heard about it. Um, I don't know that we can do more than we've done to, to make those aware that this work is going on. The number of community meetings, the, you know, the, the updates that we have on, on every single planning commission meeting, not like everybody tunes into those, I guess. Okay, so, <laughs> so I gotta check myself on that. <laughs> but but um, we do want to get out to townships we want to get. Uh, we want to have open houses. Um, uh, we will likely not have sessions like uh, like kick this off with draft one um, at, uh, at the the Greenbush School, but Greenbush Greenbush Center. But we do want to have sessions where we are able to present the draft and answer questions and continue to take feedback. Um, Public comment will continue to be received. Um, as Mike said, we get uh, a, a steady flow of that. All of those mails uh, that uh, I receive, and I, th I think you guys do as well, um, I send those on to, there's a special email set up called WinRegs. Um, I send every single thing that I receive um, uh, through to that, so it all becomes a part of the public record. Um, and we'll continue that work all the way through till we're done. Um, ad hoc review of the draft based on public comment, county staff will create a draft three, a final draft, and we'll bring that uh, final draft to the uh, planning commission um, for a public hearing and a decision on referring that on to the board of county commissioners. Um, I don't have a absolute timeline on that other than to say I'd, I would sure love to see it, and we've kind of got penciled in September, October, October November, you're leaning more November, yeah. Um, I don't see it happening in September. Yeah. review will take that's some time. That's too close. Yeah, that's me. That's me. All right, so uh, October, November. We already know that meeting will be a long one. <laughs> there's there's going to be a lot of people there, and hopefully that there's not a whole lot of other agenda items that we know we have to get to, but we already know that's going to be a real long meeting. Little, uh, little request they're nested in that for staff on. <laughs> already, already under consideration. All right. So that, that's all that uh, we had prepared um, to discuss today in terms of just the overview. I'll open it up to discussion, question amongst commissioners. Cece and Standy, I, I want to invite you guys to be active part of this discussion, please. Yes. I've never heard of this before. 
I'm delighted to hear of it. I've never sat where I've heard such an ambitious and impressive piece of work that all of you have done. It's well, thank you. Phenomenal. Thank you. Um, however, I do have some comments. Yeah. The, the thing that, the things that. She wants you to speak into the mic. Uh, oh, Jane. sorry. Commissioner. I thought I had a big enough voice not to use a mic, but <laughs> is that better for whoever yes. couldn't hear me? Thank you. Um, the things that I don't understand at all are the participating, non-participating, mm -hmm. and the occupied and unoccupied structures. And I, I look at these as a former attorney as very important in terms of clients that I have advised over the years who live in the county and who are making estate plans and who have future opportunities to break up their holdings for one reason or another. Um, I don't know if my colleagues out there in the legal business or those who are realtors dealing with this kind of real estate have had any thorough introduction to all of this because this is a major thing mm -hmm. for property owners. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I hope that you have talked with those land planners, those estate planners, and gotten some of the cues. I know that in our old um, land use code, we had sections where things were effective following the date of the adoption of that code. And until then, the old code um, controlled and would control into the future. I think of RO1A and RO1B in particular, how they were used before the RSO. So I hope you'll talk with those folks. And if you can briefly give me a beginning to start understanding participating and non-participating and occupied and not. What sure. if I want to sell my kid 10 acres down the road? Right. Does that become an occupied structure? Yeah. So great questions. Great point. Um, county Council um, is the first line item up on reviews. And they have weighed in on questions like that in previous drafts. I suspect they will weigh in again. My ask will be that before we get to that final draft three meeting, that um, when draft two is published, after, after legal review is done, um, we got the feedback. I'd, I'd love for you to weigh in on whether you think we've provided sufficient clarity on this before we get to that, that final meeting to review draft three. I'll work with you to, to, to connect you with counsel to, to um, have that conversation. Is that fair enough? Sure. All right. Be happy to. Um, participating and non-participating um, is... Uh, the, the, the simple description is if, if you're a participating landowner, um, the land in question is um, under lease with a developer for its use. And what happens with that land is primarily controlled, is, I don't know, if, maybe secondarily controlled by the, le the terms of the lease itself, primarily by uh, county um, uh, regulations. But if it's under lease, we consider that to be participating. Um, Non-participating is just the opposite of that. It's land that is not um, under lease. But what if the land is under lease when this goes into effect and 10 years later there's no longer a lease? Is that... If that lease expires, then it becomes non-participating. 
So then the setbacks change? The setbacks are implemented at the time of the um, application. So if land is divided later on or if leases change later on, that isn't um, in consideration with this land use and with the setbacks that are associated with the siting standard. So once there is a <coughs> lease, regardless of what happens to the land or the ownership of the land later, nothing changes? Did I understand that correctly? That could be a potential. Yeah, so if, if an application comes in with mm. the participating properties and that um, the property owner that signed that lease then sells that property, they sell it with the knowledge that um, if the project has been constructed, um, the, the, the turbine, the machine is on the ground then you're selling it with that improvement on the ground. So they're going to have to work out whatever lease agreement for the new property owner. And that's between the property owner and whoever owns the machine. But if the tower is never is not constructed before the ownership changes, what happens? It's it's that's, those that's, series of that's <coughs> the, yeah. like any property owner. Like well, imagining well, imagining a scenario <coughs> We don't get into that piece of it. That that is that is a private matter. I'm imagining a scenario where you've got a a a, a participant. Just imagine, just make this up. You've got a, a participating landowner with a lease. That lease, for whatever reason, terminates. But before it terminated, a turbine was placed on another participating piece of land. That once that flips from participating to non-participating, that turbine location, that turbine site would be out of compliance with the whatever the, the setback number was. And we've talked to a number of people about land divisions after. Is that the scenario? That's the scenario. Yeah. So we haven't specifically talked over lease changing with legal, but we've talked over uh, land division. So if um, a turbine site is cited, the CUP is approved, and then something changes later on, Though it's yeah. not in non-compliance. Okay. It was compliant at the time whenever the code um, reviewed that application. Do we have any instances where in the regulations scenarios like that are identified and? Off the top of my head, I can't think of, I can't think of one. Um, this is such a unique land use that we don't. <coughs> have that very often. I mean, you have rural divisions of land where property owners are selling ground. Maybe staff knows about it, maybe they don't. Mm -hmm. um, and that sometimes can impact somebody's ability to pull a building permit. This um, is one of those things we've specifically talked about and why we want to use non-participating property lines as opposed to non-participating occupied structures because let's say the turbine and let's say it's 1500 or 2500 feet or whatever it's going to be and the turbine is 2500 feet 1500 feet from a non-participants property lines that's going to be all their property lines so if if they want to build another building anywhere on their property split it up sell it to their kids build a building anywhere on their property if the setback to the property line, any other building built anywhere on their property 
it's still going to be outside of that setback. But if it's that distance to an occupied structure, now there's going to be places on their property where if, if I build another building, it's within that setback. So uh, I knowingly now am uh, building something within uh, that setback distance and something has to be done at the, whether the, the permit layer or zoning, or not, not zoning, but the building permit to acknowledge, like, I, I get it, I'm a non-participant, but I'm building this new structure, whatever it is, another house, another barn, another uh, shop or whatever, but it's within that uh, number of feet. And I remember we talked about that topic for quite a while. Yeah, because if you, if you knowingly, if down the road the turbine exists and the conditions change, then you've, you've made a, a, an intentional, conscious, informed decision on what you're going to do with that being where it is. Maybe. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe there's a death. Maybe there's a, a different family member who's not a signer of a lease. Who, Those leases you know, go with the deed, I think. I understand. Yeah. But that's why I was suggesting estate planners. And Sandy, wouldn't this be comparable to a non-conforming use in a typical zoning code where you've got something that um, one time was fine and conditions change and it's now non-conforming and that would allow for a certain amount of change later. Would you write that into the regs or is that part of some other governing code? I would want to look at the county zoning code. I believe they have a section about non-conforming. Okay. Can we make a note that we, yeah. that we address that? Wow. Thank you. Well, thank you. I, I'm just, I think this is just the most awesome thing, but I think to me it's very scary because I know so little about it's it. It's very scary to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and all four of us and, and, the, and the rest of the commission, we all knew very little about it before we undertook it as well. Yeah. So we, are, we have learned a great deal in the past few months. Good work. Thank you. We've got some more to go, but we're, we're gaining on it. Thank you for the qu other questions, comments. Taryn? Sure. Again, and thank you. I know this was a lot of work. I know you know. <laughs> so great. Thank you very much. Um, so a couple questions. Thanks uh, so much for de delving into spending a lot of time on the science, with the, especially with the sound and the flicker. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. Um, did you, was there any evidence that um, sound accumulates at all? Is there any sort of like accumulation of sound? No, we asked that specific question in a couple different ways. And the answer is not nothing, mm -hmm. but not, it, the, what, what I drew from that and what landed in this is it wasn't material. It wasn't an additive. Like if you had two turbines at, at, at 50, does that mm -hmm. equal 100? No, okay. it's not. There might be a, 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 an iterative mm -hmm gain from that, but not an exponential gain. Great. Thank you. Uh, By the way, you can get at that uh, for anyone who wants mm -hmm. to. Um, these conversations where we got the information I just gave you are recorded. They're out there available. Um, uh, that particular one came from two conversations, one with um, a sound engineer that uh, was hired by Nextera that came in and gave us a little bit of time, and then follow-up uh, where we tested those questions with Black and & Veatch, and those conversations are all recorded and out there. Okay. Great. Um, 
Also, I wanted to know if um, in the regs, is there any, like you're looking at, I'm still questioning in terms of, I see from draft one to draft two for the flicker, for example, it says 30 hours a year to any dwelling, and then in the second draft, it's 15 hours. I'm wondering if there's any sort of flexibility in the regulations where, um, Say you've got a property, you've set it at 15 hours a year, and there's a property where maybe it'll be 20 hours a year. Is there any provision where there could be some mitigation for that reigning that the landowner could decide for themselves whether or not uh, a company mm -hmm. could compensate them for that extra mm -hmm. five hours? In yeah. order to put up a tower, they say, look, in this location, looks like it's going to average 20 hours a year. We will pay you mm -hmm. for that inconvenience. In every case, we've, just like as with solar, in every case, if someone wants to waive a right, they can waive it, sell okay. that right. And when that happens, they simply become participating. Okay. And those limits then would be governed more by, by the lease that they have with them, the terms of that, and not by the uh, regs designed to protect them. Okay. And we took a page out of solar on that. Okay. Um, and then, um, no, I'll go. Let somebody else ask the next question, and then I'll come. I'll come up later. I think I saw Chelsea out there, Mike, ad hoc group. Anybody else? David, there's yeah, Mr. Carter. Any any questions? Uh, comments? Fine. Yeah, if I may. Yeah, um, just one question. You were you were. Um, you mentioned earlier that uh, landowners or or providers. Uh, found the uh, setback from the property line prohibitive. Could you elaborate a little bit on in, in what respect um, in terms of, um, you know, just practically prohibitive or cost prohibitive or just that it would tend to leave little enough developable um, land to make yeah. a project feasible? So I won't be able to go into the why. Um, all I can do is just, and this is, uh, uh, Posanelli had, uh, who's an attorney for Nextera, so a developer who's planning a project, had given feedback, a, a lot of feedback across the regulations, which we really appreciated. And one of the items, courses, setbacks, and the feedback on that, and I'm gonna go from memory, I'm not reading the, the exact item there, but it was that there was a very specific request that um, that 1,500 foot be made from an occupied structure as opposed to a property line, because being uh, at a property line um, was likely prohibitive in that it reduced that developable footprint. That's, it was kind of that thought that had us think, okay, well, can we find a balance by tucking things in closer to whatever it might be to participating? Because you've signed a lease, if you signed a lease and you signed up for it, and that being a trade-off for non-participating. So try to find something where we could adjust to, uh, to balance that developable footprint. That makes sense. And then also the, the same of what I previously said, if you, for the non-participant, if you do it at the occupied structure, you have since uh, taken away maybe a potential footprint of their own property yeah. where, where they can comfortably build something in the future. Exactly. So finding that balance. Does that answer your question, David? Yeah, it sure does. Thank you very much. I think if we wanted more elaboration, we'd have to go to Pulsinelli. 
Well, you can you can look in the uh, if you want to read the exact verbiage. You can there's a draft out there. You can click the link. Can they see that? It would be best. Um, I can send it to you specifically, David. But it's in a previous communication packet. So after we had the 60-day public comment, we draft or we released all the public comment that had been received up to that point, including the Polsonelli. If you would send the the, the other, because I think the other the the full package, you'd find it on like page 693 of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a very large packet because we got a lot of communication. Absolutely. So, so if we could send to, uh, um, fact, maybe send to all the commissioners if it's allowed. Happy to. And then David, I would search on uh, uh, set, search on setbacks, and then you'll find you'll find both that plus a whole bunch of other um, community feedback on what that should be. One of the it's it's the most commented item we've got. Yeah, I have a feeling searching on setbacks would be like searching on the. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll, just, you'll find it in the, in the body of the regulations, and then you can read all the feedback that's nested around it. Got it. Thanks very much. Um, just to add to that, um, when this item does eventually come back to the Planning Commission, you will have a new communications packet with everything that we've gotten since then. It will be a big communication packet. So do leave yourself enough time to look through all of those communications. So there'll be the packet that we had included from your last time you considered this with all of the new communications as well. So just, if I could just- I would bet that's gonna be 10,000 pages. It'll, it'll be a well, few. What I was gonna ask was, could, is, would it be possible to have a, a draft one communication package and then a separate communication mm -hmm. package of just what's happened since then? So with the draft one communication package that was specific to the 60-day public comment period, we've not been, we've been collecting the public comment received since then, but okay. it's not in the same sort of packet as the formal 60-day, which is what we did the analysis All on. Right. Okay, I won't take any more time on that. We, I'll come back to it, see if we can find some way to condense without cutting anything out. <laughs> yes? Uh, speaking of setbacks, um, unless Chelsea wants to Chime in, I want to give her a chance. Um, Commissioner Hayden. I have a question about setbacks, but I will um, ask it after you. So you have a rationale here for 1,500 feet. Um, as you said, uh, it says it's known to support sound and flicker attenuation and consistent with other Douglas County regulations. So what is the rationale for the 2,500? Where does that number come from? Commissioner Thomas, do you want to take that one? Um, I, I would say generally that the public comment from the people in Douglas County that have spoken have said we don't, we out in the county don't think that Douglas County is the place for wind turbines at all. While the, I would say most residents support wind energy saying Douglas County is not the place for wind turbines. So that's the start. Then a, <clears throat> excuse me, then a, a questionnaire that the planning, that the planners did came back with um, results when they asked what should the setbacks be. 15 people said a mile or more. 19 people said from 2,000 to 3,000 feet. One person said 500 feet. 
So the rationale, if and there can be more to it, but is that's what the people in Douglas County have asked for. And do you know where that number, I mean, what's that based on? I would say it is the least bad setback that people want. I think when you when you talk with most of the people in Douglas County, they're saying wind turbines are not appropriate in Douglas County because of the density of the population. But since we are required to write regulations, and one of the requirements was that they are rigorous, then, mm, again, saying most people don't want wind turbines in Douglas County, and any of the wind companies that come in have access to every property in Douglas County. There were no restrictions placed upon any wind energy company on who they could talk to or who they couldn't. So the wind company could get everybody in Douglas County to sign up. Therefore, setbacks would not be an issue. The 1,500-foot um, setback was um, what Next Era Posanelli proposed but not, um, no real reasons were given because the wind energy company can sign up enough land for any kind of setback, whether it's 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 feet, they have the right to sign up enough property to make any setback not an issue. I guess the, the rationale that I'm, I'm looking for is um, when you look at the perimeter around a wind turbine, you have a certain safety perimeter. So there's a minimum setback that has to happen uh, for safety, tower falling, ice throw, whatever that is, there's that. Um, there's a 1,500 set foot setback that the, the staff has come in, that's from reading the literature and looking at typical setbacks, and that has to do with wind, uh, I mean, sort of noise and flicker. So what I'm looking for is a similar rationale for that 2,500. Does that mean there's, I mean, is there a sound attenuation at 2,500 feet? Is there a flicker attenuation? Is there a safety thing? What is it besides visual impact? Because they're so big, I don't know if that's gonna make much of a difference. I'm looking for a rationale for that 2,500 foot. Well, <clears throat> one of the, the issues that was presented to us was for whatever reason, a uh, wind turbine, for some reason, the blades were thrown, and they were thrown at a minimum of 2,100 feet, where there was fiberglass in a hay field. So um, we have that as an example, one example of safety. and. If you said 1,500 feet and uh, fiberglass has been thrown, ice has been thrown 
further than that, you're already outside the 1,500 foot limit. So to make it to make it less than that, if you're just asking about safety, uh, the the sound when some of us went to um, Southwest Junior High is that what it's called? Southwest Middle School. Greenbush. Greenbush? No, no, where we went to. Yeah, what? it was it was Southwest. Okay, oh, so, the Posenelli presentation. Yes. Yeah. One of the people from Posenelli said you're going to hear the sound for at least a mile, okay. and so that was part of what um, when we got feedback from people saying you're going to have that sound for at least a mile. I think part of um, Part of trying to have the balance, and if we looked at um, the initial thing that Gary put up about taking into account the culture of the county, that all of the things where you say, other than visual, since probably the tallest structure in the county. Um, tallest in Kansas. Would be. Uh, typically a silo that might be 90 feet tall and now you're talking about a tower that with the blade that would be 600 feet tall so visual is an issue that county residents feel deeply oh, about yes. and have a visceral connection so uh, to say maybe 2,500 feet isn't going to change the visual perspective. Again, most of the people in the county are saying we think it is inappropriate because of the density of the population. But if regulations have to be written, which they have to, then to extend the setback to at least 2,500 feet is what people are asking for. Thank you. Do you want to make and one other one other thing that that came into that discussion is that if if you're a, a Laurentian, you live in the city limits of Lawrence, or even live within three miles of the city of Lawrence. This doesn't concern you because you can't legally put one up there. And that we've heard from many county residents, it's like, why should we in the county have different sets of regulations than those that live in Lawrence? Because we are all Douglas Countyans. Uh, and uh, there are some people that are very passionate about that argument as well. I just want to want to clarify one thing real quick um, uh, that uh, Commissioner Thomas had said. Um, CC and Sandy, I want to ask you this question. Um, Charlie had said that the reason we'd chosen 1,500 foot was was originally because that's what Posenelli had asked for. Can you talk about the 1,500 foot, where that came from, and, and why a little bit? 
So no, I did, I did not intend to say that we chose 1,500 feet. I may have because, misunderstood you. Because Posenelli asked for it. Okay. So that, that was not my intent. Right. So okay, I must have misunderstood, but could you go ahead and talk a little sure. bit about where it came from? The um, setback, the 1,500-foot setback, really comes from the research of, of basic literature as well as looking at other communities with regulations now there's a lot of wind farms out there that are in counties that don't have zoning regulations and so as in douglas county we are that much further ahead by even having regulations from 2016 much less what we're we're building to have a more rigorous set of regulations that bring it more in alignment with the work that was done for solar but that 1500 foot really evolved from kind of that literature research um some of the, some of kind of the basic safety pieces one of the other things that is in the proposed regulation is the measurement based on setback from property line rather than from structure. That is, a, that is something that um, fewer communities do um, for this kind of land use. Uh, we believe um, at staff level as well as discussion with the ad hoc committee that measurement from property line is a better tool for our community that it is in line with how we measure all other land uses and structural setback um, and it also adds that much more protection from um, uh, unintended consequences of a project than if you're just measuring from a structure which uh, could potentially let that uh, machine be located closer to a property line closer to a non-participating property owner. So that's the evolution of where that setback came from. But there are counties that have greater setbacks than 1,500 feet. Yeah. Yeah. In Kansas, one is 3,000 feet, one of the counties. Oh. I think uh, Commissioner uh, Hayden had a question, but just before I turn it over to you, Commissioner Hayden, I just wanted to add uh, to what you were saying, Sandy, that I think there's over 40 wind installations in Kansas and approximately 4,000 wind turbines, is there? Something like that. So, I mean, we tried to, whatever we did, we, we tried to use a lot of, you know, what's already there. So we weren't trying to, you know, come up with something new. So that being said, learn from, learn from yeah. Go ahead, Commissioner Hayden. Yeah, thank you. Um, I had a couple questions about the setback. Um, I was just curious when when you were had the asterisk by the ice throw and the road setback. I, I was just wondering, as you figure that out, would it? What is the difference between having a setback that is shorter from somebody else's property versus a road? If it's if ice throw or whatever that length is determined, it is a safety concern. So if I'm own a piece of non-participating land and I'm out in my tractor or I'm gardening or I decide I want to build something there, but the ice throw or whatever the space is that's needed to make the road safe isn't there for my non-participating property. I was just a little curious as to the discussion that you went that you had there and if you're looking at changing the setback, if you find that the safety concerns for being close to a road or whatever um, are, are more than perhaps sure. thought of thus far? That's a great question. And, and we do differentiate between those things, of course. 
Um, the uh, what you'll we'll find, I think, is in draft. Let me get to it. In draft one, that um, um, 110 percent um, from uh, two roads was was thought to be the, the minimum safe difference if you had a fall, you had a you know catastrophic failure in that way. Um, we've learned since then that ice can be thrown farther than that. We've got some information, some very specific information about examples where that's happened um, that we need to take into consideration. Uh, I want to be careful to try to not turn this into a, a, a debate or a vote on that particular topic, but we, what we'll do is we'll, we'll go back into that We'll talk about what that value should be based on the information that we have about what really happens, not what might, but what really does happen. And if we find, I'll say this for the group, if we find that that, that value is larger than the value on setback from an occupied structure, well, of course we would bring that, of course we would bring those things in alignment, absolutely. Absolutely. And I didn't mean to imply that you wouldn't. I just was concerned about the safety aspects of, oh, of you know that, of everyone. So thank you. And we're 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 thinking that's a that's a small snippet of what our conversations are like all the time and how do those things apply and we've got multiple sections up and how does this affect that over there? So yes, great question. And that but that's how we would approach it. We'll get to a value on that and what we can what we think is defensible, and then we'll apply that if it's if it's applicable to other areas as well. Okay, great. I had a couple other questions, yeah, but I don't have shoot. to go if somebody else. Shoot. Okay, um, I was um, I was just curious when we're talking about um, the setbacks, still on the setbacks. Um, I was just wondering, does the height of the tower or um, any other characteristics of the tower affect how much the setback should be, or are you going from the largest structure that, that's allowed under the regulation. So if we're looking at this ice throw or we're looking at potential fall or we're looking at noise, are, are you looking at what would be the greatest if the if someone built the biggest that's and the best that's allowed? Yeah. So another great question. Um, uh, there is a school of thought we considered for a while that uh, was to use multiples of tower height as the setback limit. Right, so you, like for example, 110% of roads is what it's, that's a that's a, a multiple of a tower height to to get at some variation. And the thought was, well, well, let's use multiple of tower height to get at setbacks to to, to have that encompass everything. There's a couple of different schools of thought in in how to mitigate the issues. Um, one school of thought is, and you'll see this in the feedback. There's got, you're gonna have you already are. You're receiving tons and tons of mail saying 2,500 foot or a mile or some value. And the reason for that, and they're not wrong, is to say, this will take care of sound, this will take care of ice throw, this will take care of fiberglass. It might, we're going to solve all these problems with distance. They're not wrong. We took a different approach. We went, we solved each one of these items specifically with evidence that we tested with engineers and consultants in the industry. And we brought values based on that, leaving distance to be its own item. Uh, because we, again, not wanting to intentionally or casually prohibit, we wanted to provide that opportunity. So when you look at tower height, 
Chelsea, there's, a, there's, there, there's, there's so many variables. Tower height doesn't necessarily mean a bigger rotor, a bigger blade. In fact, you might be able to accomplish what you need with a smaller rotor just because you're up there where you can catch more wind more consistently. There's no evidence that says um, that uh, ice throws or sound or anything is going to be greater because of that tower height. Because we haven't seen any, any, any peer-reviewed data that, that suggests that's going to change. Um, so we, we stayed away from tower heights and multiples of that. We stayed away from trying to solve with distance and instead said, whatever the height is, whatever the distance is, it's not going to be greater than 45 dBA at this non-participating house. No matter what, if that means you sight it a half a mile away or a mile away, that's that whatever, you do whatever you have to do to get at that value. You cannot have more than this amount of flicker per year, period. Whatever you have to do, wherever you have to sight that, whatever height that is, you do that, and, but that's the rule, that has to be done. And if you don't accomplish that, then that tower can't operate. That's the approach that we took in that. Again, trying to leave distance as its own thing. And we may, as we get through this, uh, through the discussion and, and go into it, we may decide that we want to extend that 1,500 foot. Uh, I think that there's, uh, if the work that I've, that I've, I've heard, the, the understanding I've come to as we get to that, it's not an arbitrary number. Um, there's, there's rationale in terms of how Douglas County is um, a grid-like space. Density is a part of that. Um, the more dense you are, the, the more difficult it is to find you know, expanses of, of property where you, can, where you can build. So there's a number of things that, that, that might factor into it. Consistency with the, you know, additional uh, county regs being one. And I'm not trying to sell you on, on, on a number here today. That not, not at all, not at all. We'll work through that as we go. I think there's a, there's a philosophical component that we're gonna wanna talk about. And then there's what I can defend. That's a component. Great, thank you. Yeah. Um, I have one more question, yeah. two more, but I, I've got one about the, um, is, is there any possible way to have staff look into, or maybe you guys have looked into, and, and I just um, am not hearing it, what would be the, like, the difference? We're talking, it looks like a lot of this might come down to 1,500 feet or 2,500 feet, something like that. What's the gain? Like, what do we... What's the safety gain? What's the noise gain? I'm just trying to, how am I going to evaluate, right, a 1,500 setback versus a 25? And, and I, what I hear is that people want different things, and I'm just trying to think, like, how am I going to um, rationalize or justify, right? So just what is the difference between, what do you gain between the two? Um, so I was kind of interested in that, and we might not have an answer for that, but just is that something to, like, information that we can find or that we can gain scientifically maybe they haven't done studies at 2500 i'm just curious about that so i think that's a great ask and i think everybody's going to want that i want to see it um i have put it all together into one view um cc had done for us a view before that illustrated what setback radiuses were from different features structures or property lines you know the the drawing i'm talking about I wonder if between now and that day, if we could put together um, a, a 
two different models, one showing what um, the 1500 foot looks like as the, the shortest version, one at 2500 foot, which is currently the longest one that's, that's, that's being requested by the group, um, and see what that, see if we can find a way to illustrate both the impact of, of setback distance on a developable footprint, but also mark in there things like sound, things like flicker, things like ice throw, things like the other things we've been trying to mitigate. There are, um, Gary, you've done a great job talking about how um, it's hard to tell in a lot of these situations until there is a model on the ground with hills and with clouds and with all sorts of different things, how different things will be affected. So um, <clears throat> I can absolutely try and work on a sort of theoretical um, idea, but it's not going to be any sort of representation of how that will affect Douglas County because I can never do that sort of at the scope. But um, previously, I think the document you're referring to was I had showed, um, because we're also talking about property lines as they relate to participating versus non-participating, we can never foresee who will or will not be participating, so which property lines will or won't be sort of used. Um, but so I had made a diagram of just uh, a dot with a radius of whatever the setbacks were and how many acres of land that took up, assuming that there were no other participating properties and you just had to rely on a single piece of land. Yeah. So we can do that sort of analysis, but it won't be real on the ground effects to Douglas County just at this level that isn't possible. Charlie, you're shaking your head. I'm agreeing with you. It, in, until you see what happens in Douglas County, Theoretically, you can do many things, but until the rubber meets the road in Douglas County, it is, I would say, impossible to show what will happen. Well, but what I hear is that there is an actual reason for 1500. Um, yes. I mean, that was at least, I mean, at first I heard um, it was what the industry had proposed, and then I heard, no, it's not what the industry had proposed. There's actual data behind it um like it's what the literature and the safety and the research um suggests is then also what i heard so i'm just trying to figure out like if there's that for 1500 is there not that for other setbacks and can we figure out what that sure. is that, that's my real question not like what would happen because we don't know what 1500 would be in any particular piece of property until those same things we just identified are are known and they're, they're never going to be known but what we know about 1500 feet can we find that out about 2500 i guess is my real question we'll we'll work on a way to illustrate those things just as, as charlie noted that some of that's going to be difficult um uh, cc also echoed that as well but yes we'll work on work on that and i can imagine a couple different ways we might try to get at illustrating the issues we're trying to mitigate over distance so you can see how those things fall inside of distance and then also illustrate the impact of distance on developable footprint combination of those things even though we know that hills and trees and and uh, protected lands and things might also factor in it'd give you at least that baseline that you could apply when you look at other things I think I know what you're asking for I've got an idea and I'll we'll, we'll try to put something in front of you that that helps with that great and the other thing that um, I know we're running out of time but the other thing I'm really wondering um, I've heard a lot about um, we've heard from industry industry says this and 
and I'm sure that there's some research and um, you know, to, to back what um, what industry has said. I'm wondering if you've heard from any landowners in the state of Kansas or elsewhere who have actually been living near their non-participating landowners who are living near these types of, of developments and what their take is on it. Obviously, that wouldn't be research-based, right? That would just be situational. But I'm just curious, if industry is coming and presenting to the committee a lot, are you hearing um, from people and being able to interact and ask questions from people who actually are living near these types of development? Yes. A lot. And, and I don't just mean the emails that we're getting that are then being forwarded on and passed on. I mean, are people coming and explaining what it's like to um, positive and negative, right? Like us being able to interact with that versus just a statement of, this is how awful it is, or this is how wonderful it is. It has, it, so that's it, what I'm seeing, or just statements. We'll take that back as, a, as, a, as a, in the form of an ask. The answer is that what we've received has been passed along communication. Um, there's been a couple of voices, I think, that have come in from, you know, out of county um, that, that have expressed, you know, their experiences. Um, and then there's a, you know, a body of folks that are participating out there that, also have shared so there's a tremendous amount of information out there uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll take that back and think we don't typically um, ask folks from out of county to come in but that this is an exam this is a time when maybe that is something that, that could be done we did have um, at our last planning commission where there were public hearing and there was the three minute public comment there were uh, members of the public who expressed that they were from out of town that they had lived nearby and that they came to sort of express yeah, their true true um, true experience some so, folks, we're, I've run us. I, I apologize. I've run us long. Prasant, um, I'm going to turn things back to you. Um, is there anything else anybody wants to add, or? I'll just put a plug in um, for the. You should have all received your email for the your doodle poll for the planning commission orientation. So, I just want to remind folks if anybody who hasn't um, submitted their um, uh, results for that survey, please take a look and and uh, we'll get that uh, working and get that scheduled. And Becky, just one thing. So since we have a lot of new commissioners, at the end of these mid-month meetings, I was hoping we could have a Q&A with staff and we could decide what the topic is and just an open-ended commissioners ask any question, you know, based on stuff that we run into um, for a few minutes. So with that being said, um, I'm going to adjourn the meeting. Thank Let's, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I imagine. It, I am not the author of it, but question.